Hi guys, Stu here. If you could support the podcast by following us wherever you subscribe to your podcast, that would be amazing. If you are enjoying our videos on the YouTube channel, uh, like and subscribe, like the individual videos and subscribe to the channel. Just search for Henry Weston's Old Mate. The continued support helps us to be able to provide more and more content going forward. Thank you so much for listening. Cheers. Oh, it's time to bring the magic, Stu. It's been so long, I almost forgot how to press the record button. But we're back. It's Henry Weston's <laughs> old mate. And I'm Phil Walton, and it's been a long time. So how are you doing, Stu? Good to see you. Oh, very good to see you. Oh, yeah, really well, Phil. Uh, it's been over a couple of weeks, hasn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, busy lives, the pair of us lead. Yeah, well, yeah, that's it. Uh, you know, there there were some uh, some rumours going around in the gossip columns that we had had a falling out over <laughs> over pay and conditions. But I think we just need to put that to bed. That you know, there's a uh, you know, as you've just said, there are priorities outside of the podcast that we need to attend to with family and work commitments and that sort of stuff. So um, that was on my side over the last couple of weeks. So, um, but things are all good. Things are settling down, and it's actually very nice to have some. Uh, distraction and come back and uh, and have a chat with you Stu and kind of do the pod so I've actually been looking forward to it the last couple of days so have I mate yeah so um as we always do keeping well keeping sober how are things uh, overall yeah very well thank you uh, mental health is in a you know as far you know it's my own personal scale but I'd say we're sort of be hovering around an eight and a half nine out of ten at the minute and for a few weeks and uh, you know we just discussed it very briefly off air I don't think it's any coincidence that I've haven't worked any of the last five or six weekends um, it's part of my job it's not a complaint but um, when I'm not working the weekends as I tend to when this sort of colder weather comes around it's fantastic working Monday to Friday you know enjoy the weekends uh Still doing my exercise. My wonderful wife decided we should do these um, 100 squats a day for November. I think it's for the NSPCC. Um, so I know I have done my 100 every day so far. I also know my wife hasn't. But... <laughs> but Throw it first there. <laughs> oh, yeah. But she's done very well. Um, so, but I'm, I'm now at the point where I can sort of bang out two lots of 40 and then finish the last 20 off at the start 15 was uh more than enough in one go so so go well yeah all good very sober i must say that i probably i don't know if it's a good or a bad thing but i've been having a non-alcoholic beer more three or four evenings a week in uh, recent times i don't know what's going on there but okay okay <laughs> Yeah. As, as long as you're liking the taste and it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, free, there we go. Yeah, my brother bought me a very nice crate over on a visit a couple of weeks back, and and I've been partial to it. So uh, all all in the uh, all all in the name of sobriety, of course. Excellent, excellent. So while we're on that note, then um, I've seen that your social media is awash with stay sober with Stu. I think that's the yes tagline. Talk to December 18th will be my four-year sobriety. Touch wood, I make it. Uh, I can't see any reason why I wouldn't. So I'm running, a, or have been running a, a small charity fundraiser. It is simply called Stay Sober with Stew. If you could possibly donate the cost of one beer, either donate now or donate on the 18th of December, 
Uh, I'm fortunate enough to have a few raffle prizes in the pipeline. Uh, I will hopefully be able to auction off, or not auction off, raffle off uh, some prizes from work and from some local um, publicans. So that might be in contrary to the beliefs of the pod, but you won't, it might be we can say it's for food, not alcohol. Um, yep. So a- anyone... I'm going to raffle anyone who donates five pounds or more or, or will qualify for one raffle ticket. So if you donate 10 pounds, you will qualify for two raffle tickets. Anyone who has donated already, they will get backdated raffle tickets. So if you've donated five pounds, you will obviously be in line for one backdated ticket. Uh, I will make the grand. I will make people aware of the prizes in the next pod me and you record. Hopefully, I'll have four or five prizes varying across uh, meals in town to hopefully some golf wear and maybe a game of golf, uh, depending on how generous my uh, big boss at work is feeling. So, yeah, December the 18th, stay over with you. Donate if you can. There are prizes available. OK. And if you're not in the Kent area and you win a raffle prize, I think there are a couple of uh, kind of half-used bottle of CBD oil and pizza oils that have been... Uh, been advertised on the show that aren't quite finished and we can put them in the post as well well i tell you what if if i if, if my good friend james donates a bit of a meal voucher to his pub the king's headed deal i tell you what if you're lucky enough to win that and can't um use it because you don't live locally i will uh, reimburse you the funds and uh, eat it myself okay <laughs> there you go <laughs> and enjoy it very much i'm sure yeah okay so <clears throat> let's get on to business then so we've uh we've taken a, a kind of a long travel through kind of the the kind of the experience the history the the roller coaster ride of kind of what it's been like in in the midst of alcoholism dependence uh, addiction hospitalization and then kind of getting used to sobriety but um still within kind of touching distance of that 18th of December kind of crunch point, rock bottom. I think today we're going to look a bit further afield from that. So maybe start the timeline from about 18 months, two years from sobriety and start looking at, you know, the positives that are starting to come out of it. I think initially you were out of necessity having to be sober because it was either drink and die or stay sober and live but now these choices you can easily see how people can slip um but developing a lifestyle that supports um your sobriety but also crucially what you've said in previous episodes is you've got to enjoy your life yes you've got to find both purpose and kind of fun within that so i guess this is kind of let's pick up on that a little bit does that sound like a good place to go? Yeah, yeah, sounds sounds good. Let's have some positivity in recovery. Okay, good, good. So <clears throat> I think my perception from the way outside is that, and maybe I'm using myself as the as the anchoring point within that, that sometimes I will have a drink in an evening because it just fills a bit of time and it fills a bit of space. Uh, and I don't know if you were the same for that in certain cases, but there must have been a space that you had to occupy where your drinking used to be. How did what were you doing from hobbies, habits, whatever that actually filled that time, took your mind away from drinking, that sort of thing? 
initially well in the in the very sort of early period i know we're not really talking about that today but initially eating sweets and um just watching the telly uh the sweets as you'll probably understand was my body craving the you know the well not not the alcohol but but the, the i don't know the sugar possibly yeah uh, yeah um but then uh, a year or so in um i i my evenings because obviously i was working uh i was working coming home about two and we had our daughter was really quite young so that was sort of keeping us busy but when she went to bed i developed a rather unhealthy relationship with my xbox for a period of time um which wasn't very good on that that doesn't sound yeah. very good <laughs> non-sexual okay fine okay they've got vibrating um kind of controllers yeah. they? so okay all right but, yeah but but yeah i mean just i was searching for that was that was purely to occupy myself uh and i got uh, I, I'd find myself playing for four or five hours, which really isn't me. And I, I, I play my Xbox still, but I not to the not half as much as I did then, and that was just occupying my time and my mind. I think. Um, but as a lot of people, anyone listening to this who, who plays the, the FIFA franchise will understand that Ultimate Team is is a frustrating game at the best of times, and when your mental health is a bit fragile. I mean, it, it was worse for me. That was well. That was bad. Playing that game or or doing anything like that, but but I needed it because I I don't know I don't know what else I'd have done. I did, I I wasn't wanting to drink, but if I wasn't occupying my brain, then yeah. the, the negative thoughts, not necessarily of drinking, but the sort of fragile mental health would certainly rear its ugly head. Okay, so I'm I'm not a gamer. I've played I've had consoles in the past but I can't dedicate the time to it to actually feel like I'm enjoying it or anything like that so I don't I don't I don't game anymore what is it about either a FIFA that was so affecting for your mental health I mean were you was this just you against the machine or were you online playing with people did you have a headset on and people giving you a load of crap no, well, it's no, the, the sort of the, the, the theory with Ultimate Team. It, it, it's like a lot of these games. It's sort of loot box based, really. You through through gameplay, and if you choose to by adding money, which which I did to a small point, but nothing bad. Well, probably five six hundred quid, which I suppose is a bit. But um, by dedicating time, you then acquire loot boxes, which you know one in ten gives you something good, the other nine are a load of rubbish. So and you try to upgrade your team to the point where, you know, you can then go online and, and match yourself against others. But um I was I just found it thoroughly frustrating. But I I did there was certainly addictive, you know, I, I at points during that cycle of FIFA nineteen in my early sobriety, I mean I I found myself waking up and sometimes my first thought was my FIFA Ultimate Team, which was a little bit worrying. I was I was I was sort of trying to dedicate three or four hours some Sunday to um yeah. to grind to grind the game for two lousy packs when sort of rewards were given out Monday, you know, that were worth absolutely nothing, as as I knew they would be, but at the time I, I became quite obsessed with it. Uh, and uh, looking back, you know, I I probably put three or four hundred hours into that game. I reckon. 
Okay. Um, so, and quite, you know, from with this much distance, it just appears that you've substituted one. Yeah. We'll, we'll put it in the realm of addiction, but there might be some some hairs to split on that. But you've substituted one addiction for another. You've become obsessed with just yeah. doing something to fill your time and to concentrate your mind. Um, I guess to one extent less destructive from a physical point of view, but you've said about the mental health point of view. But presumably, Mrs. Butler is not sat watching you play FIFA or even getting involved and playing. No, well, do you see the problem here, uh, which which I probably co contributed to the sort of the negative impact on my mental health was at the time um, that the, the Xbox was set up in the in the living room as it is now, but we've since got the extension, so we've got another telly option downstairs. So what I would do is watch telly with my wife to the point where she went to bed, which could have been any time between sort of half eight and ten. And then I might put two or three hours in from there. And, you know, I was back to work full time by now. So I was potentially going to bed after midnight with a four thirty five o'clock alarm, you know, for work. Um, and getting up, no problem. But I must have been, you know, it just it, it can't have been any good, you know, living on four and a half, five hours sleep. It's fascinating from this end, because what you're describing in terms of behaviour is what you were doing in alcoholism. Yeah, but just yeah. drinking. Yeah. Wait, wait for the responsible adult to go to bed and then um, I'm going to smash it. And whatever that smash it is, yeah. you're going to do it in kind of the privacy of your of your own company and probably set in your underpants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Old scraggly ones as well. Nice. No, there's an image for everybody there. Um, okay, so so how did you get out of that? Oh, how did I get out of that? Well, people might as well laugh. That actually, FIFA 19, the, the game disc actually ended up smashed into little pieces uh, to stop me playing it. Um, yeah, I it came, well, not smashed, just snapped in half. I got to the point where I I was getting very angry with that game. Uh, and I broke it to stop me playing it. Uh, they released it on Game Pass about 10 days after I'd done that, so I just downloaded it for free again. <laughs> <laughs> Which is absolutely bonkers. But I actually, I mean, so FIFA, uh, how did I get out of that? Um, well, I, I, I did actually, I, I kind of went cold turkey on, on the Xbox in the end, and I started... I didn't really find exercise at that time, but I, I got into a routine of pretty much going to bed where my wife did for a period of time. I'd love to tell you I started reading books and found a love of art and everything, but I just went cold turkey on the on the gaming for a period uh, and started getting myself to bed earlier. Um, yeah, so that's, yeah, then, and, and then we sort of move on to the, the good stuff after that, really. But, um, you know, like just looking down at my notes, um, that this sort of was a sort of period in my recovery where, like using FIFA, I, I, was, I wanted to find something to get into that I could really call a hobby, uh, but that would bring me enjoyment. FIFA wasn't that, but I, 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 I purchased some books, some self-help books, some sort of uh, CBT books, some 
some autobiographies and sort of read a few, you know, Russell Brand, Mike Tyson, how they'd turn their sort of lives around from addiction. And I'm reading this thinking, you know, I'll just, oh, well, I'll find my something. I just want to find my light bulb moment, something that makes me happy. You know, when I come in from work, what I can do. But in all honesty, I wasn't putting the work in. I was reading two chapters of a book and thinking, well, that's brilliant. I'll just I'll just go out into the world and find what makes Stu happy, you know, without putting any hours into it. Yeah, so um, well, <laughs> there was two things I was going to say. I'll say the more serious one first. I guess <clears throat> waiting for something to happen, waiting for it to click. Yeah. I guess is kind of taking the path of least resistance. And I think, I, I guess it might be lessons for you to learn to put in the bank that when you're taking the path of least resistance and hoping things happen for you, um, that's where your addictive traits might come in. Potentially, very much so. But then when you start to actually, you know, really work at something, focus on it, concentrate, it becomes a positive um and, and you can kind of find that meaning and, and purpose the other thing i was going to say is i've read the mike tyson autobiography and i read it to the end and wish i'd stopped at the first chapter it's the most uncomfortable read from somebody that you know you admire as a sports person because he was just brutal at what he did yeah but he was brutal in outside as well just I know. Now, I know the I know the backstory without reading the book. That was, you know, that was the first. My mum brought me that book in uh, my first after my first night in hospital. Um, I think it's just something she'd picked up, but um, I never read it. Uh, so it still it sits about two 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 inches from where I sit on the sofa. It's still there. I, I might get round to reading it, but yeah, he wasn't a particularly good bloke, was he? No. No, not at all. Um, I think the I think the rape conviction probably um, uh, seals that as not a good bloke. That puts you in that category. Yeah. Um, so okay, uh, we digressed somewhat. Um, Russell Brown would sound like an interesting read, though. Um, did you get more than a couple of pages into that one? No. No. <laughs> no sorry. I'll, I'll come. Listen. Tune in next week for Stuart's first book review. But, uh, when we start running out of material for this, we'll just let you read a chapter at a time. It's, yeah, yeah, I, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have to just do the accent. Okay, um, I'm going to write that down as an opportunity to move forward. Okay, so um, how was work in this time? So two years, kind of. You're over. So I'm, I'm going to make an assumption around something and you can tell me how wildly wrong I am but in going back to work after kind of crisis time and all the rest of it my assumption and some of it is based on my own experience when I've had kind of significant period of time off work from a mental health point of view is that you go back into work and there's kind of a honeymoon period people walk around on eggshells a little bit don't want to upset you want to make sure that you're all right but that naturally, and it's so it should, come to an end and you roll your sleeves up and get stuck stuck in again um, without that kind of protective bubble. Um, so firstly, is that a wildly inaccurate kind no, of... No, no, no. To be honest, with my, uh, well, during my, my drinking period, most of my adult life, uh, people used to walk around on eggshells around me quite a lot anyway, because I had a pretty 
temperamental temper or whatever, you know, uh, I wasn't nice to upset uh, and I didn't care who I argued with. So I would be very confrontational. And when you like that, you know, people are generally a bit worried to upset you, aren't they? So that was not, not my strongest point. But yes, um, when I returned to work, I certainly had the period where everyone was very conscious to, well, be, be, be nice to me, which was, which was good and understand and understood my situation. Uh, and my, my boss and, and the golf club were, you know, very understanding of, of my, my needs. I was, I'd be perfectly honest. I was, you know, quite needy and, uh, had periods of sort of time off in that, even when I returned to work fully, um, so yeah, so that's how it started. Uh, but then I, I, I never really experienced that point where I never slipped back into my old role. Uh, I kind of, sort of, it's hard, it's hard to say. My my role, I left before I was ill was of one of reasonable, sort of standing, uh, seniority within the team. Uh, and that has sort of been diluted down somewhat since my illness. Okay. Okay. So kind of a, <clears throat> a change in responsibility since going back. Um, okay. Fine. I'm given that you still work there. I think it's probably not so fair to kind of ask you how you feel about that. Cause there's probably not, <laughs> there's probably mixed emotions. So let's, let's tip. Uh, not mixed emotions. <laughs> not mixed emotions. <laughs> They're very clear emotions. Okay, fine. Well, do you know, let's not pick that scab. Um, Let, let's not. Yeah, okay, fine. Um, okay. So that stumped me. So give me a moment. So let me think then about, so you've, I'm going to go start reversing back a little bit. So you've done FIFA, you've snapped it, and then they've released it for free anyway. Um, <laughs> but I didn't go back to it, actually. I put okay. it back on the hard drive, but I didn't go back to playing okay. it. Okay. Um, you bought a library's worth of books and read the first three chapters at yeah. most. So what was the thing, Stu? What was what actually got you into the because we started the preamble of this part of the episode saying finding positives and actually what yeah. we're what, what we're what we're talking about are the things that didn't work. Yes. Uh I found the electric bike that was that my dad had given me that was partly responsible or wholly responsible for a lot of trips to the uh, off license became my new best friend for to in and fro in to work uh, and I yeah that was it really that that was where my exercise my sort of you know I'm I'm not a triathlete now by any standards but I I I am a 41 year old man who is probably fitter than he has been at any point in the last 20 years i might not look it to anyone watching this screen but i regularly run anywhere between 20 to 35 miles a week um and cycle to and from work you know when the when it's not too windy and cold because i'm a bit soft now but um i and, and that all started from getting on the electric bike which progressed reasonably quickly to you, you know just the old pedalard um my 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 standard bike without a battery um and that was over the sort of period of a a year or so um i found that and and from from that exercise 
came sort of crept in. I although I was I I sort of come I sit at around let's say if I my fighting weight is around thirteen and a half stone, I'd uh, sort of jumped on the scales uh, and was pretty. I wasn't shocked to see that they said fourteen stone ten pounds, which was you know a stone and a bit over where I was comfy. I you know I knew I was heavier. Yeah. So I, I, I embarked on a, I didn't try running really then, but I embarked on some home workout DVDs by, <laughs> by everyone's best friend, Mr. Joe Wicks. <laughs> okay. And how did that go? <laughs> Do you know, uh, me and Joe Wicks lasted about two workouts and it was nothing against Joe Wicks. The problem I had was uh, I'd had a pre, I'd arranged to play a game of golf and, Liam, who I still work with, and, and a friend of mine, Tom Bissett, who, who was working, he was working with us. He's since moved on. Um, and I did uh, my second or third Joe Wicks workout, and this happened to be a shoulder workout. And I've never worked shoulders in my life. And I did it the day before this game of golf, and it was only some body resistance work, probably a few press ups and blah blah blah. I <laughs> I couldn't move the next day. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, so I went to play golf and I I hit a half decent tee shot down the first. And then when I'd hit it 10 more times and still hadn't got anywhere near the green, I had to pick my golf clubs up without spitting my dummy in true Stuart fashion like I used to have done. I, but I had to, I said to the, to the gents I was playing with, I said, I can't, <laughs> I just, I don't know. And it took me about three days to get over that workout. And I just never went back to Joe Wicks and his DVDs after that. Again, there there is a moral to this story. So you bought the DVDs, and then lockdown happened, and he was doing it for free every morning. I had to do that with my daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a cycle there. That when when Stuart gives something up, <laughs> well, just wait a couple of days, and it'll be free. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I have. I actually got. I should. Uh, I, they're one thing that hasn't been sold on eBay in the last twelve months. I'll have to get them up. There'll be a collector's item once he's get, got his knighthood. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so um, one thing that hasn't really, I don't know, just in the in the way that we've described the timeline, a lot of this has always felt like it's a long time ago. But when we consider what we'd said at the very beginning of this episode around um, you coming up to your four-year anniversary, yeah, and we've started this conversation today about kind of from the two years in sort of period yeah actually, actually lockdown happened covid happened not long after i guess your second anniversary of yeah. sobriety and I, I i was listening to a, a different podcast recently sorry it's not cheating if it, if you're not on it mm-hmm. um and they were talking about louis theroux right describing 2020 as being by far and away his most alcoholic year of his life which I I can absolutely agree with and I think many people that would listen to this would say you know those evenings were boring there was nothing to do got into your craft beers your mail order stuff all of that Um, and that was kind of a release which wasn't afforded to you unless it was a relapse yeah Um, so that must have been it, it was testing for everybody, but there were less constraints on people from a from the alcohol point of view 
than than you'd put on yourself. So what was how it's a long winded way of just asking how lockdown was for you? <laughs> yeah, lockdown, like I think probably for 90 percent of, of the country or the world, it was a struggle. Um, it was a struggle. My in lockdown one, my daughter was at nursery. So um, it was just there was no no work sent home or anything. She was too young for work. So it was just me and me and her um, trying to keep busy. Um, but although it was a struggle and long days, that that's when I initially we found walking. My, I'd put my daughter in the pushchair and we'd go off and walk from from my house down to Deal Pier or our house down to Deal Pier and back which is about a five and a half, six mile round trip. And we found ourselves doing that certainly Monday to Friday, yeah. uh, Saturday, Sunday. My wife was was around to, to share the, the responsibilities, thankfully. Um, but the, 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 the walking developed into what is now my sort of running, uh, I don't want to call my running an addiction, but it's certainly almost, I would almost call it a necessity in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I started plodding out, um, let's say what lockdown started in March, sort of, I think by May, I'd got into a nice routine of getting up before my wife. Okay, let's just acknowledge the fact that uh, Stu's Wi-Fi gave up, and uh, we are now. Um, I don't. I don't know that the editing is going to be slick enough just to kind of run it into a seamless. Sorry to not have complete faith, Stu, but. But, um, so, yeah, there was a Wi-Fi uh, related incident, and so we're just going to pick up. So where you left off, you were talking about. Um, you're running developing and it becoming not necessarily an addiction but a necessity for you so um you'd got to the point where you were getting up early in the day uh before mrs b and presumably going out for a run yeah yeah running for about an hour or being out of the house for about an hour uh and probably running for 35 to 40 minutes of that uh and quite quickly i sort of found or learnt that endorphin sort of rush that you know you hear people explain from from physical exercise it's something that I'd sort of never experienced but I think with sobriety uh, and this sort of newfound willingness to exercise uh, the, the, the good the good effect it was having on my mental health but I'd go out for a run and come back with these amazing ideas i think you know my sort of my 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 blog sprung from you know uh, a, a seven mile run and and uh, this podcast has developed from the blog the, um but uh I, I i'd come back in a much more positive frame of mind and what i really did find was that ex that early morning exercise although it wasn't still in lockdown it set me up so much better for a day of supervising stroke entertaining stroke 
surviving um, yeah. with my uh, three three year old daughter at the time. Um, yeah, and 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 we've we've you know it's it's kicked on from there. You know, I I like the, the most people. I I I just started dedicating three or four hours a week to learning French, which went really well for a period of about six weeks but I never stuck with that people won't be surprised to hear that but I have stuck with the running yeah uh, uh, and now it is very much a part of my life so what what is it about I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna hone in on the French what is it that stopped you that kind of yeah you got to the point of yeah, that sort of you shit. Can't, you can't take vegetables into the swimming pool, Phil. Well, you, you can take <laughs> some spuds, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh, oh. There was almost there was almost a drink and spitting kind of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, you can't take uh, vegetables into the swimming pool. You're right. They make you wear those funny uh, shorts in in France as well. So. Which is not great. Um, so you don't know why you gave up, other than. Uh, well, I actually, I know the French. Uh, I got into the French because sort of at this period as well, um, during our house extension, my wife and sort of daughter moved into my wife's parents for 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 a period. So I found myself with quite a, a bit of sort of time on my hands, or. Because I, uh, my brother, my youngest brother, was over living in our, our sort of broken down house. Uh, so I spent a bit of time here. So I, I, I lost that when I, when I eventually sort of moved over there. Although I did move back quite quickly, I just fell out of the routine and sadly never got it back. I mean, I've tried learning French two or three times. That was the most successful period, about six weeks worth, and I will get back to it one day. But um, I don't know. It's hard work, isn't it? I probably just I just didn't stick with it. Um, I don't have a natural talent. I don't have a natural talent for running, but I I I know the benefits are there. Um, you know, and the yeah. It's also a different measure, isn't it? You can be proficient as a runner within your own standards. Yeah. And your own expectations to be a proficient French speaker requires you to actually have some <laughs> coherence about what you're trying to say. Yeah. Um, and the confidence to do it uh, without feeling like you are Rene from Hello Hello. <laughs> I will learn French. I yeah. will. I mean, this is the thing that my, my wife takes the piss out of me uh, with this because I grew up within an hour of France mm. and can't, you know, I, I've. I've done better with it. I, I get by. We always go on holiday to France, but I'm not fluent and I wish I was. Uh, yeah. So and interesting, <laughs> just an aside, my eldest daughter and I have started learning sign language in the last couple of weeks. But we need to we really but I'm worried that I'm going to stop learning yeah. it because I, I'm a little bit, I think, a little bit like you in that I need the routine. I need the 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 see the reason for doing it and then being able to practice it as well yeah. so there's both of us doing it but um yeah we'll see we'll see how that works out well, good luck <laughs> uh there we go there's a, there's a sign for the uh for the um 
YouTube watches. Oh yes, well my daughter comes back with some signs, but I don't. I'm not going to attempt to uh, imitate them in case I would say something profoundly rude in sign language. But it's okay. it's very basic. She comes back through from school, but she just you know they just she just reels them off. I said, do you know any other ones? And she knows about three or four. This does this. This does this. And but yeah. she's at that, she's at that joyous age where everything goes in and stays in. Yeah, and they're, right. they're, they're teaching a daddy you're a dickhead in sign language, and uh, you're a yeah, girl. Um, okay, we are digressing significantly. Okay, so um, the other thing that I guess for somebody in your position, two years sober, on furlough, I mean, there's one thing trying to fill time in the evenings when you get back from work and just kind of getting stuck into 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 FIFA and all the rest of it, but actually filling. 24 hours a day for however long that was what eight weeks 12 weeks um i was off work for four months i think yes yeah. march till march or hot the end of march april may june i think i went back to work sometime in july yeah so being able to you know getting on that me metaphorical hamster wheel every day and knowing actually if your mental health isn't looked after you know where the dark place is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there we, were dark, there were a few dark places in that sort of lockdown. Nothing tragic, you know. Nothing desperate. Well, probably a few desperate times in my own head. Well, despair more than desperation. But um, but yeah. Uh, looking back, I, I wish I'd kept diaries. I can't remember what we did. I probably just sort of got through till tea time. And then sort of just took a big deep breath once our daughter had gone to sleep. But yeah, yeah obviously there was no there was no alcohol. Um, fortunately, although my wife, you know, don't want to keep mentioning that she has a glass of wine or two, she would have a a, a glass or two not every night. Um, so uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know how I would have coped had, let's say, I stopped drinking had sort of lockdown that march come three months into my sort of sobriety i really i really hate to think how that could have um played out yeah i, I think there's <clears throat> perhaps a lot of what ifs in that as well because um without having a daughter that's going to keep you occupied for most of the time yeah you know that 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 could have taken a different direction as well um and but you said that um while the house renovations were going on so presumably the house renovations were happening during lockdown and you were you know they were people that were excluded from the lockdown because yeah construction was was excluded um but you said that they'd moved out so did you feel i'm going to use the word safe maybe inappropriately but safe in your own company to kind of not go down kind of routes that you don't want to be in yeah I, I mean i did um i was pretty yeah i i don't remember there was no during lockdown i think i, I wasn't tempted to drink uh and to be honest when when my wife and daughter had moved out i mean i i, I moved into my in-laws for about a week and a half and it just didn't it just didn't work for me uh, I moved home but my brother my my youngest brother Alex was at home so had I mean obviously if there was a temptation I wouldn't have been able to get away with it anyway yeah. um, but um we sort of I 
he it was quite good actually because he it was sort of some adult company. Uh, we fight like brothers do, um, but but nothing bad. We we played some golf and took him out. And I did a lot of evening jogging then because it was the summer. Um, yeah. uh, we we kept busy, but again, yeah, uh, it would just have to be a what if. Had I had I been here on my own, had Alex not been around, that, that could have been a could have been another thing. But I was pretty confident in you know I was sort of two years. Would I've been two years into sobriety then? Yeah. Um, so or two and a half years I, I was pretty good then and I, I was beginning to develop you know this running what 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 the running has the commitment to running has then turned into my commitment to writing my blog and recording my podcasts uh, amongst sort of other things uh, I did actually do a course here online course um, about mental well-being um, so that was something else that you know probably put about 15 to 20 hours into that but might seem insignificant but for me that was quite a big sort of thing to, to start something and actually get it finished to get a little certificate at the end of it yeah so is that um as a mental health course is that just kind of insights into kind of mental health things that you can uh maybe recognize in yourself yeah, it was, I can't remember the exact title, but it was run by, it was all online learning, pre-recorded videos run by a lecturer out of Yale University. And um, so I can't say I've got a degree from Yale, but I actually, I did actually take part in a, I think it was about 15 hours guided learning and sort of, um, but yes, studying that, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't about addiction. It was about sort of mental well-being, but there were so many crossovers to addiction you know there were yep. so many behavioral traits and uh characteristics that i saw in myself when when she was sort of discussing the sort of the negative side of mental health or, or the you know having having a bad mental episode and it's certainly easy for me to recognize some of the uh, points she was making within the sort of lectures that i was listening to okay so not a degree from Yale, but you've certainly worked under the tutelage of somebody, the, the renowned Yale professor of mental health or whatever they're called. Yes. Yeah. Okay, That's good. That works. Stu. You can put that on your CV. Yeah, I, uh, I, I will. OK, good. Um, also. Finding the silver lining within it all, kind of the lockdown experience and that kind of coming so soon into your sobriety and then you getting through it it feels like almost you're you were almost put on an accelerated path through sobriety because i i think some people would never actually find themselves in situations where they have to be comfortable in their own skin they've got to be comfortable alone they've got to you know fill time in excess yes makes sense so you know it, it's all right being able to get home from work at four o'clock and fill time until you go to bed at nine o'clock. It's very different being able to fill 150 hours a, a week, if there are that many in a week. But you know what I mean? Um, there are a lot of hours in a week when you've got nothing else to do but drive yourself mad. Yeah, yeah. And and be put under, you know, a, a three-year-old child is, is, well, it's a lot of responsibility, but they also when they're yours, well, also when they're other people's, they, they can push your buttons as well, can't they? We all know young children can uh, 
are designed in a way to uh, aggravate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, they uh, and they know, and you know, you <laughs> you're supposed to be the adult in the relationship, but they yeah. uh, they uh, yeah they know how to actually bring you down to the child level for sure. Yeah, very much so. Just do a live corrections corner based on the fact that uh, I wasn't confident in my own maths. 168 hours in a week. <laughs> I was trying to do it in my head. I got, to, <laughs> I, got lost at 40, I got to 48 times two is 96, and then I didn't go past that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, let's put that out there before I get any ridicule. Okay, even with the interruption that we had when um, your wife, your wife. <laughs> yeah. My Wi-Fi went down. Your Wi-Fi went down. Not my, my wife. We will uh, we will release the text messages as part <laughs> of the release for this episode because the text conversation was as interesting as the episode has been. Um, so, um, yeah. yes, no, we've come to the end of 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 our um of our time that we put in. I think actually it's been that's been a really interesting rattle through kind of kind of tiptoeing the line of um kind of addictive behavior and starting to understand actually and it's a real positive actually taking the the responsibility to snap your your cd your computer game um knowing that it's not doing you any favors um that's kind of a big step in kind in terms of insight and responsibility around that but then the real challenge of things like lockdown and just and kind of getting through that I think it's been um yeah no really really positive really interesting yeah yeah um I'm sure there's plenty more that we could have discussed and I think there's a couple of things that we can take into another episode as well um that uh we just have, have run out of time for yeah so no. what we'll say then is um well anything to wrap up on your side before we close down uh, no, uh, no, there was sort of, there was a good point that I sort of wrote down and I probably should have wrote it down earlier. And in sort of in these, in these sort of period of finding, you know, in the period of that two years initial sobriety before I sort of got into my running and, and then have made significant positive steps in recent times, although I didn't relapse, relapse and take a drink. I mean, I relapsed on my recovery on numerous occasions because I just took my eye off the ball. Uh, and I I think, like, I guess we're all guilty of at times. I didn't take enough responsibility for my recovery and was, in a sense, hoping that the magic, the golden egg, would sort of fall into my lap. I'd find something that sort of made me happy. Uh and I, I think if I'm being perfectly honest, I hoped other people would drag me along with them. Um, and it's not till I realised that I needed to really commit to things, commit to my recovery because it's mine. Uh, and it's when that sort of penny finally dropped that if I can commit to running 30 miles a week, which, which I did and still sort of do, uh, I... I, I need to commit more to my family. I need to commit more to my work. Mm -hmm. uh, and in the last sort of 12 to 18 months, I have made huge strides in that. Uh, and we're sort of sitting here now doing a podcast. This is episode 13 or 14 of this series. And I've recorded 
probably 20 other episodes in the last eight months. It, it wasn't just a one or two shot. It's something I've stuck with again. Um, yep. So if you are watching this, um, there are huge benefits to recovery. But sadly, <laughs> you have to put a lot of bloody hard work into it. And I'll be the first one to admit that I didn't for two and a half years. Um, I hoped I hoped things would fall into place. And, and they don't. Let's be honest. You have to be, you know. They don't. You have to put the hours in, and and they're hard hours. Yeah, we could call them hard miles. You don't have to run a single mile, but you're going to have to do plenty of miles in your head. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's um. It, it reminds me of like my brother has a says this often. So he works in a in the health and fitness industry, and um, one of his reflections often is around people who come to him want to kind of lose weight, get fit, and all the rest of it. And they come with the baggage of talking about everything in moderation, which is, you know, the sentiment is okay. When you, in terms of weight loss, it's like, yeah, just a little bit of everything, everything in moderation. That's fine until you flip it on its head and kind of say, but you've lived your life to excess until this point. Yeah. So, so why do you think moderation is going to work? in whatever it is that you're going to do. And I think from flipping from going from 100 miles an hour into a dark, dark place to then thinking, and this is part of the, of the learning curve, isn't it? From alcohol, being a, an, an active drinker to not is going at 100 miles an hour into that dark place and then just stopping and thinking, oh, it's plain sailing now, I just don't drink. It's just, yeah. it's not gonna cut it. You have to, there's almost kind of a, an acceptance that you're going to have to take some things to the excess but in the other way to find the the positives and the the moderation later on definitely yeah very yeah. well okay no i think that's a really good point um and and helpful to, to to finish on that one so um we are going to make sure that we don't leave it uh quite so long until we catch up again um but we're looking forward to people contributing to uh, stay sober with Stu. Yes. Uh, we're gonna so we're gonna push that up a little bit. We hope, um, and there'll be some good raffle prizes and some rubbish ones as well. Oh, there'll be uh, some rubbish ones, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anybody's got any questions or anything? Obviously, uh, hwomthepod at gmail.com is uh questions comments we've got a couple of episodes lined up with guest speakers like we've said before so we'll we're gonna we're running towards those i think so we'll yeah we'll about planning those sessions um but yeah no it's been really good really good for me to be back in this headspace and and talking to you Stu. it's been a good episode so yeah very good to see you yeah thanks phil thanks brilliant episode all right cheers pal speak to you soon thanks mate all right